Let's talk about summer. Let's talk specifically about the summer of 1919. Before there was Emmett Till, before there was Trayvon Martin, there was 17-year-old native Chicagoan Eugene Williams. He drowned off 25th Street Beach from being stoned by a 24-year-old man named George Staubert. Williams's raft accidentally floated over to the white side, and the series of events that occurred afterwards were known as Chicago's Red Summer. Terrence Chappelle is here. He wrote about this incident and the legacy of discrimination that has followed in the last 100 years here in Chicago, including of his own family's experience to this day for blackyouthproject.com. Terrence, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming back and visiting with us. How are you? How are you doing, Jill? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to read uh, what you're putting out there, and especially when it's uh, hyper-local like this. So let's let's get into it. We've discussed the 1919 race riots here on the show before, but for folks who may not be familiar, what are these incidents that we're talking about? Well, the Chicago 1919 race riots really was... Um it was happening overall. It was um, the nation's red summer. It was happening in D.C., Elaine Jenkins, Georgia, Garfield Park, and specifically in Chicago. Um, what what kind of ignited it was the death. Well, no, really the the murder of the 17-year-old, and then when cops refused to arrest um, George, um, a riot broke out. And before that, Chicago was already kind of in a state of emergency even before this happened. You had um, the blacks, uh, my great-grandparents um, included, moving to Chicago from the South. They were um, working jobs typically held by whites, the steel mills. And then you had black veterans coming back from World War One who demanded to be treated like a human being. How, how dare they? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, how dare they, like, <laughs> demand their, their humanity um, um, from us? And so it was really... What happened on the on the beach that day really was was a climax, not even a climax. Really was a continuation of what was already happening in the city, and it was like it exploded. Yeah. And then thirty eight people lost their lives, mm-hmm. um, most of them black. A thousand black families were displaced by fires intentionally set by Irish uh, American gangs from Bridgeport, and our previous not this previous mayor, but his dad, Richard J. Daly, was a part of one of those gangs, although his supporters would would ignore it. And, like, I really wanted to write this story to really um, connect, like, hey, segregation isn't something that's innate. Segregation is something that's engineered um, by those in power. And you can see it today in that we're not that far removed from history at all. You mentioned your great-grandparents being involved in kind of the the immediate aftermath of of what happened here. And your family story, that seems emblematic of of what so many black families in Chicago went through Mm -hmm. uh, in the 20th century and to this day. What are are your family's specific experiences with this legacy of segregation? Well, first, my grandparents were very private. um, And so I don't have a whole lot of information past my parents. But um, usually when people are very private, something terrible happened. They didn't really want to talk about it. But as far as my parents, um, I'm from generations of Southsiders. My um, dad hey, grew too. up, yeah, Southside. I'm Gretchen. <laughs> <laughs> Southside heart always, um, but um, he grew up in Chatham, which has um, typically been like a um, like middle class black neighborhood. And he went to Leo High School, and he is the second oldest of seven kids. And they all sent them to um, to Catholic high school. So they did, um, you know, for a black family at that time, they were doing really well for themselves. Mm-hmm. And he remembers being chased from school. Um, um, when he was when he was younger, yeah, and then my mom was chased from school, and then I grew up in what is now considered Auburn Gretchen, um in the nineteen, I believe, like the white flight happened in like the early nineteen sixties. My parents moved there in nineteen eighty five, mm-hmm. and then so much that like, and even rewind behind that, like redlining and racial covenants was one of the reasons why there was a, a white flight, um, and 
I remember have being very insecure about where I was from is because I felt like people were going to judge me, people were going to stereotype me. And I've since dealt with those insecurities, but after learning about this, I'm so much more proud to be a Southsider is because it really is like a badge of like um, resilience, um, for generational resilience. Um, And then... And then so they sent us, like, we couldn't go to our neighborhood high school. I think my neighborhood high school was Calumet, which I think now is a charter school because it was underperforming. And, mm-hmm. like, to say the least, like, probably wouldn't be sitting here right now if I, if I, went, if I went to. But they did a really good job of um, developing a mix of, of programs that were in our neighborhood because they didn't want us to be, you know, those black kids, those hazardous black kids who wanted to touch the neighborhood. <laughs> like, so they wanted us to, like, and I appreciate that, like, and so it was very authentic, but there were certain opportunities that were not in our backyard that our that our parents had to ship my sister and I to experience and kind of grasp. Terrence Chappelle is here. We're talking about his latest piece for theblackyouthproject.com. 100 years after Chicago's Red Summer race riots, the lasting legacy of segregation is crystal clear. So we're sitting here in 2019, 100 years past this, uh, this race riot, and uh, black folks in their 20s trying to buy houses, trying to start families, trying to settle down. They surely must have an easier time economically than folks did 100 years ago, right? <laughs> oh, Jill. <laughs> so I think when I wrote this article, I, I spoke with um, someone from the Chicago Urban League, and this stood out to me so much when she told me this. Um, Chicago Urban League was founded in 1916, just three years before, um, 19, before the 1919 race riots, and they were very instrumental in helping black people. She said, so powerful and such a legacy that it has left that the Chicago Urban League is still helping black families with the same issues they had 100 years ago. And that stood out to me. And so we, to bring it to like current times and current news, the economy's doing well, supposedly, but who's it doing well for? Specifically in Chicago, in a report by the organization, around 40% of black 20 to 24-year-olds in the city are out of work and out of school. And only 7% of white 20 to 24-year-olds are out of work and out of school. And so it breeds disenfranchisement. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't just affect housing. It affects opportunity. It affects employment. Because there were some riots going into the steel mills, which affected people's unemployment. So it it did what it was supposed to do. Mm. Um, it was supposed to breed, breed generations of, um, of segregation. But, you know, even in light of that, um, we still survive and we still soldier on. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm so proud to be a Southsider. And, um, but it, for my parents specifically, they had to be very intentional about their opportunities and the experiences they um, had my sister involved in us because they weren't so easily accessible. They weren't so in our backyard or mm-hmm. like we couldn't just, oh, let me ask my friend for XYZ. They had yeah. to do, do the research and they had to be strategic about it. They had to like follow up. And so there was a lot more work um, involved for my parents. And so this history like does make racist, white supremacist feel embroiled, embroiled in a, a, behind it, but it also, um, they're also very quick to forget it. Mm, yeah. It's, yeah, we've got to keep this history alive. A hundred years later, it's great that we're talking about it. The city of Chicago is doing its part, though, in the city and organizations throughout the city to commemorate this anniversary. What is going on? What can people do to get involved and learn more about this very important, even though it's a very contentious period in Chicago's past? Definitely. Like, um, they're putting on, um, sponsored by the Chicago Newberry Library, along with other organizations, they're putting on a year longer programming um, to, co- to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Chicago 1919 race riots. And it's, I went to one of the, went, I went to a couple of their programs and one of the programs 
um, it was really focused on journalism and how the coverage was disseminated at that time and um, kind of like how um, has there been much change in journalism? There, there's definitely been some progress, but as far as like getting involved, you can definitely visit their website um, to find out which events or organizations, I mean, to find out which events you can kind of attend. Mm -hmm. And they run the gambit. Some of them are symposiums. Some of them um, use art and music to kind of connect what happened in 1919 to like what's happening today. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff you can do, and I really urge people to um, read about it and attend one of their events just because... Um, I'm ashamed to say this is as a native Chicagoan, this is something that I didn't know about. I didn't yeah. you always know about segregation in Chicago and that it was Chicago is one of the most segregated cities, but you don't really know what was the event that precipitated that. Yeah. Well, you're always busy, Terrence Chappelle. What are you she busy. Yeah, she's busy. <laughs> she busy. What are you working <laughs> on these streets? days? I know. I mean, that's great. Your voice <laughs> is important and we wanna make sure we're gonna share this uh, this article from uh, blackyouthproject.com, but Thank you. we wanna keep our ears our eyes to the horizon. What are you working on these days? Yeah. So I'm definitely still writing on um, Right for Teen Vogue, Black Youth Project, um, Chicago Reader. And in addition to that, I actually just started um, my own social media shop um, called Chappelle um, Communications Group. Um, have a few clients. When my client is um, Lamont J. Robinson, he's the first um, state rep um, to be openly gay and black, representing the fifth district. And so, like, I really uh, have been able and very grateful to kind of connect my passion for social justice and LGBT issues to social media and, and working with people who are really uh, making some progress in that space. Well, congratulations on that. Continued success. And we're going to be watching. I'm watching you. Thank you. I'm watching you. <laughs> Head on over to blackyouthproject.com to read this article for yourself. Check out our Twitter and Instagram pages at Vocal. We'll be uh, sharing those links with you. Terrence Chappelle, thank you so much. Of course. Thank You're you. You're the most wonderful.